Hey docs, welcome to the Female Physician Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon McLaughlin. We are the premium location where women physicians come and learn about building profitable businesses so that we can have the freedom to live our best life. We have this podcast, and we have a supportive community of over 9,000 women physicians. We do summits. We have a conference coming up in New York on May 20th. If you're in the New York metro area, come just for the day. If you're in from out of town, there's a hotel on premises and we'll be meeting Friday night to do some masterminding and adjourning on Sunday morning. So come and join us. You can find out more on our website at fpestrong.com. I look forward to seeing you guys in person. Now, if you like this podcast, do me a favor, give it a great review and make sure you share it with another doc who can benefit from it. All right, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Today, we have Dr. Elisa Zhang with us. She is going to be talking about financial investments. As you know, she's a coach. She helps other professionals with their finances. Now, I wanted Elisa to come on because I'm always concerned about physicians and money mistakes that they're making. I know myself, there's a couple of things that I will fess up to. I didn't invest as early as I could have, so that was a big mistake. And when I did invest, actually, uh, looking back, it was probably one of the best things that I did. Over the course of the few years, I'll be 56 in October. I can't believe how much one of my accounts that I didn't actually want to open. My account was like, do this. You need to do this now. And I was just like, you know, I was talking to medical students this past week. And I said, for once in my life, I actually had some money in my bank. And I just wanted to keep it there. But he really pushed. And I'm so glad that he did. And Elisa, I know that this is one of the things that we talk about too, you know. So thank you for helping other physicians. I wanted to talk about how you got into the coaching and then some mistakes that you see that physicians are making. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So my name is Elisa Dung, and yes, I started life coaching really as a result of the pandemic. And that was really from me getting life coaching and really seeing what a difference it made in my own personal life. At that point, I was facing burnout being a plastic surgeon that was on call 24-7 for a level one trauma center and really feeling a lack of autonomy and having issues kind of with my boss about how to take that call as well. And through the pandemic, I discovered life coaching, got life coaching, and then in that process, really just had a lot more time because it was the pandemic. So decided to do coach certification as a way to really learn the tools of life coaching better to help myself really. But in that process of life coach certification, certification, of course, I was coaching other people and really just found how much I enjoyed coaching other people. And so with the life coach certification, they actually teach you about business techniques, about starting your own life coaching practice. And really what came up for me is just my expertise in finances. So I started learning about personal finance and investing as a medical student. I was an MD, PhD student. So that takes on average eight years to complete. And I was doing it in Cleveland, Ohio, which has a relatively low cost of living. So a lot of MD-PhD students, especially if they were married, which I was, actually purchased their own home during that time, which for eight years is a reasonable time to actually purchase a home. And it was just in that process of getting a mortgage, learning about all the different mortgage products, because this was before 2008, so there were a ton of different mortgage products. And it was also really easy to get a mortgage. And that was part of what contributed to the crash of 2008. But I started actually just reading more about personal finances and investing, started investing in stocks, and then actually started investing in real estate. So because of that background of starting investing early, 
I really did actually accumulate a lot of wealth even by the time I finished fellowship. And it was something that I talked to a lot of my co-medical students about, my co-residents about, and just found that people weren't really learning about this. And so when I was thinking about what to do as a, a niche for being a life coach, it just seemed a little obvious to me that that was my strong suit. That was what I could bring to the table that was different from other physicians. Okay. Now, I want to make it clear. You always say you're the coach, you're not a financial advisor, but you do call Correct. people. So want to talk a little about that? Yes. So I am not a certified financial planner or advisor or hold any of those kind of financial credentials. But really, most physicians, I mean, as physicians, we're definitely smart enough to manage our money. And we don't necessarily need a personal finance uh, advisor or, I mean, we really can manage our own money. It just takes taking the time for financial literacy. And even if you hire a financial advisor, I really advise you learn enough that you understand what they're talking to you about and whether and, and you can assess whether their advice is actually good or not, because they are an advisor and you're still the CFO of your household income. And you should think of your family kind of as a business. Lisa, I know you have a popular podcast. Tell the audience about it because I've learned so many pearls from it. Oh, thank you. So, yes, I'm the host of the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast. We're at around, I think, 45 episodes as we're recording this podcast. And I started at June of 2022. And I really started it as a way to just increase financial literacy, but also as a way to increase the mindset or uh, help people get into the right mindset about money. Because a lot of actually managing your own money really isn't about you not knowing what to do. I mean, learning what to do, like I said, as physicians, we're smart enough to do that, but it's the mindset around doing it. The mindset's around fear of losing money, fear of not knowing enough, fear of asking questions for looking stupid if you are talking to financial advisors. It's all those mindset issues that really hold us back for the most part. Tell us the most popular mistakes that you see physicians making. I know this is a generalization yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. Everyone's story right. is a bit different. No, I actually gave a lecture to over 50 medical students just last night. And one of the topics was financial mistakes I see physicians make. And I didn't even like put numbers to it because it really started when I was preparing for this talk, it really started getting really long because unfortunately I do coach a lot of physicians on their finances and a lot of mistakes come up. And the thing is, we're all going to make mistakes, right? We even make mistakes as physicians and, you know, in our medical practice where there's even quote, the risk of malpractice, which, you know, is something that is on a lot of our minds at times. But, you know, as we get to be more of an expert at being a physician, the more years we practice, we don't really necessarily think about, you know, the fear of being sued so much because we are experts in our field as we practice more. And when you start out on any journey, if you start off, on the investment journey and being uh, and starting to manage your money, you're going to make mistakes. So don't take these things to heart. These are just things where to help you avoid making these mistakes. And I love how you talked about your own investing journey. So, I mean, really common, I think probably the most common mistake and detrimental mistake that physicians make is really just not learning anything about finances, giving it over to someone else, whether that's your spouse or a financial advisor, and not really taking the time to at least learn the basics of finances, where their money is, where their money is going, you know, that encompasses so many things. So there are physicians who really don't know how much they spend a month. They really have no idea what their basic expenses are and what their discretionary expenses are so that if they were to lose their job, they don't even know how long their savings would last. And they may have a lot of savings. So that actually kind of brings the next big financial mistake I see is some uh, physicians really 
saving a lot of money, but not necessarily investing it, just leaving it in a checking account, which these days, actually, if you have a high yield savings account, you can actually make like three to 4% interest, but the rate of inflation is at 6%. So that money is still decreasing in value over time, even if it's making a, you know, somewhat significant interest rate, but it wasn't that long ago that even high yield savings accounts made less than 1% interest. And so at that point, you know, you're losing money inflation because inflation is not, we don't even really want it to be less than 1% because of the fear of possible deflation is much worse than inflation. So really taking that time to spend, even if it's just, okay, all I need to do is throw it into an index fund of the S&P 500 or total US stock market index fund. Saving and investing is really important, not just the saving. All right. So another mistake that I really see physicians making is really misunderstanding debt. So debt is the money. So debt is actually money that you purchased and the price that you pay is the interest. And not all debt needs to be eliminated, but it does need to be managed. So if you've got low interest rate debt, like if you have a primary mortgage that's 3.5%, then you don't necessarily want to rush to pay that off, especially with inflation at 6%. That debt is actually becoming less debt even without you paying off just from the fact that the inflation is higher than your interest rate. So that money that you could use to pay off that debt would actually be better served to you by investing it. At the same time, if you do have high interest rate debt, and generally I say that's anything over 7%, though if inflation goes really high, maybe it's something higher than that. But if you have credit card debt, that's at 18%, 22%, that's definitely debt that you want to pay off as quick as possible. So it's really kind of understanding debt and realizing what debt does need to be addressed you know, quickly and needs to be paid off as soon as possible, what debt that you want to try to um, essentially avoid paying off, just pay the minimum payments on. And that also gets into our student loan debt. So a lot of us physicians have six-figure student loan debt when we finish our training. And yes, that debt is something that you want to work off paying off, but depending on your situation, you may want to pay off really low. If you are in a position to get PSLF, public service loan forgiveness, you want to essentially draw out that debt so that you get as much forgiven as possible. And that makes sense, right? And we're as physicians, the fact that during our residency training and our fellow train, uh, fellowship training, we're usually at, uh, at nonprofit foundations or institutions where those years actually count towards PSLF, we're at actually a great position. Uh, so if you've, you know, did three years of internal medicine residency and then other three years of fellowship, that's six years towards the 10 years of PSLF. So it's really something to consider. Great advice. And the third one. The third one I'm going to talk about is not necessarily so much about investing, but really just about uh, finances in general, because, you know, the audience here is primarily women physicians, and that's not negotiating your salary or for raises over time. So we as women don't tend to want to negotiate for ourselves, especially when it comes to money. There's a sense that, you know, I didn't go into medicine to make more money. I don't want to be greedy. Like, you know, we make good salaries as physicians, but just know that men are much more likely to negotiate and therefore likely to get paid more. And that is partially why there is still a gender pay gap, uh, pay gap, even medicine. And you may even be thinking, oh, you know, I'm paid based on collections or RVUs, so it's really kind of out of my hands. And truly it's still not, uh, because your pay is not just what you make, but also just all the other parts of your compensation, which includes paid time off and includes 
money and time off for CME. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but whatever you come in as to your job, then you, your pay will generally, and your pay and compensation will generally kind of increase incrementally from that initial amount. So you really want to negotiate for the most when you first come in. And then if you've already are at a job that you don't want to leave, just think about asking for raises because that's something a lot of, especially women physicians don't do is they don't go back and ask for a raise or ask for more compensation or ask for more time off. And just by not asking, we get less than those who do ask. How could people reach out to you if they want to speak to you? And what do you help them with? Uh, so the best way to reach out to me is to go to my website, growyourwealthymindset.com. You can actually set up a Zoom call with me totally free. We can talk about your specific situation. There's also a contact form that you can, uh, that will send me an email directly. You can email me at uh, wealthymindsetcoaching at gmail.com as well if you'd like to directly reach out. I'm on Instagram at growyourwealthymindset. I'm also on Facebook under my own name, Elisa, last name is spelled C-H-I-A-N-G, and I'm on LinkedIn. And if you go to my website, you'll actually see the social media links to Bell to contact me in any of those ways or follow me. So if someone reaches out to you, how could you help them? What would some of the steps be that you're going to, you know, work with them? Yeah, so I've helped physicians in all different capacities when it comes to money or mindset or even other things. So one of the situations that I commonly uh, see people coming out to me is that they are just not sure how to invest. Or they're okay with investing in index funds. They've learned enough about their finances to do that, but they have enough money in the stock market that they'd really like to diversify to some other type of investment. And as physicians, we do tend to qualify as what's called an accredited investor, which actually opens up the investment opportunities that we have that the general uh, public doesn't have. And so being accredited investors, which by definition is having an income of $200,000 for the last two years and likelihood of continuing making $200,000, or if you're a couple making $300,000 for the last two years and the likelihood of continuing to make $300,000, or a net worth of $1 million, not including your primary residence. So the idea is $1 million that you actually can invest. And that can include your retirement accounts as well. So it's all your asset. And so there are all these different investments. Uh, you may have heard of like real estate syndications. That tends to be one of the most popular ones that we can invest in as accredited investors that the general public can't invest in. And these can potentially have much higher returns. So there's an idea that and there's more risk and there's more financial knowledge that needs to go into making these investments. So I help physicians actually go through the different array of ways to invest. And it might not even be something that requires being a credit investor. It could just be investing in real estate in general. So you don't need to be a credit investor to buy a piece of property, rent it out. And that could be a long-term rental, a short-term rental, a mid-term rental. So even the pros and cons of all these different types of investments are things that I work with physicians on, just helping them actually get to the point where they feel like they're comfortable and confident managing their money in all different types of investments. There are other physicians that will come to me uh, just um, from a standpoint of actually realizing the scarcity that they feel around money, that they constantly have fear of losing money, constantly have fear of not having enough, and just even how to move forward from that point. So I've worked in physicians on that standpoint. Uh, so there are many reasons why physicians will come for coaching about you know, money and investing. 
Elisa, thanks so much for showing up today and, and doing this podcast with us. I appreciate all the knowledge that you shared. I appreciate that you're helping other physicians be in a better financial position. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. One more time. What's your, what is the website that people can find you on? It's growyourwealthymindset.com. Thanks. Thanks, Elisa. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Female Physician Entrepreneurs Podcast. If you like us, please give us a nice review and tell your family and friends about us. We'll see you on another episode.